I would argue that there was probably some infiltration by the Black Lodge in that action. Because the time that the Parsons actually opened the portal, which I don't believe he ever closed in the California desert, that is the same time when the modern notion of 14-ness came to be. They had UFO waves, UFO sightings. The Kenneth Arnold sighting was within weeks of the Babylon working. And I think a lot of things came through that portal and stayed. And I do believe the portal's still open. Welcome back. I'm here again with Olaf Phillips. Olaf, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So at the end of the last episode, you referred to <clears throat> something known as the Black Lodge and kind of tantalized the audience as to what it is. Now there's a <laughs> right. book that you a whole book that you wrote on the topic that Correct. will be in the, the links below. What is the Black Lodge? Well, it's a book that that Alan and I wrote, and it, it is the secrets it is this, of the black, for real folks, black. Folks who just joined, and this is the first episode they're watching. It's Alan Greenfield, right? Alan Greenfield, yeah. It's the third part in a trilogy that is the complete secret cipher of the Euphonauts. And basically, what the Black Lodge is is it's a how should I explain? So typically, when you think about occultism and esoterics there's this notion of good and bad and so going back quite far into occultism and esoterics you know the turn of the century even into the 19th century there was this notion of the white lodge and the black lodge and it, it's more determinant of white light light workers good people love and then there's the black lodge the darkness foreboding oppression and so these, the yin and the yang, and so these, they are the counter to the good. So they are an organization of, bad's kind of like not the right word, but negative. Negative. Yeah, yeah they're, negative they're adepts. Right. Yeah, they're, they're adepts and, and maguses that normally were brought up through some kind of a mystery school, whether it's AAOTO, Golden Dawn, you know, or Hoodoo, or who, however they got there one day. And most people who practice magic in any form one day will be tempted because it's kind of like the, the Jedi Knights and the Sith, right? The yeah, one it's like day, power. It's like access it's, to No, power. it is it, a, absolute access to power. And it's like, we can make it happen for you. The first real like notion of the modern interpretation of the Black Lodge came from a book that Crowley wrote called Moonchild. And in Moonchild, it's about a battle between a, a good magician and a bad magician over a Moonchild. And, and if you have heard the book Moonchild and you're wondering where it's also the basis for the Babylon working that was performed by Jack Parsons that okay. Jack Parsons Marjorie Cameron and L. Ron Hubbard went out of the desert he tried to create a homunculus Moonchild to act as a vessel for the chaos goddess named Eris or Babylon he failed and was actually kicked out of the OTO by Crowley himself but you know there's some I would argue that there was probably some infiltration by the Black Lodge in that action because the time that the Parsons actually opened the portal, which I don't believe he ever closed in the California desert, 
that is the same time when the modern notion of 14ness came to be. They had UFO waves, UFO sightings. The Kenneth Arnold sighting was within weeks of the Babylon working. And I think a lot of things came through that portal and stayed. And I do believe the portal is still open. But fundamentally, basically, it's a magical practitioner, like an adept is what they're called. That person is approached by the Black Lodge in some method, either esoterically or by human. They are offered power, sex, money, whatever, drugs, whatever it is that, that turns their wheel in exchange for joining and participating in the Black Lodge's activities. The Black Lodge's activities effectively is to stop human growth, whether it's spiritual growth or, you know, technological growth is okay, but really it's, it's about spiritual growth. They don't want humans to progress, progress any further in the pure man. You can't garner power. You can't garner power without keeping everybody beneath you. And yeah, it's about oppression. It's about oppression. And the most fundamental thing that they do is that they want to stop. So in magic, there's this idea that you have to cross the abyss. When the United States and China clash, the world will never be the same, especially when forces beyond reality threaten to intervene. What if the United States went to war with the People's Republic of China? How would these rivals fight for supremacy on land, sea, air, and across the stochastic streams of time? What wonder weapons would be unleashed? What horrors would emerge from the irradiated sludge of the South China Sea? What heroes would rise and forever change the course of history? Tread into the deepest and darkest dimensions of the multiverse, gaze through a kaleidoscope of fractured realities, and bear witness to the disturbing visions of World War III from today's greatest minds in science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Weird World War, China. Available now from Bain Books at Bain.com. And you meet the guardian of the abyss, and the guardian of the abyss has a test, and the test is very, very uh, Star Wars. In fact, I think they got it from from this. But when you cross the the abyss, you are confronted by yourself and the the most evil part of yourself, the bad part of yourself, and you have to def- basically defeat yourself. This is an allegory of the cave in Empire Strikes Back. If you're a Star Wars fan, same notion. He chops open Vader's helmet and sees his own face. The same kind of thing here. There's actually an analogy to it in Doctor Who as well, but that's I won't get that nerdy for you. But they want to stop you from crossing the abyss. Because remember, if you don't cross the abyss, the abyss destroys you. And I mean, 100%. So, you know, if they can stop you there, you'll never ascend or you'll never achieve that kind of spiritual ascension that you're looking for. And the abyss abyss manifests itself in a lot of ways, but there is magically, there is a concept of a literal abyss that you literally cross. And when you get to the other end, you dematerialize and supposedly become an ascended master. So their stated goal is to stop that. It's also to, Again, you know, on this mortal coil to stop you from progressing, and they do bad things. But one of the interesting things about the Black Lodge is that there's no Black Lodge. Like, you can go in the phone book, like, you can go on the internet, I guess now, but you can go on the internet, you can find your local OTO, 
lodge and you can go show up or the golden dawn or the AA or the Rosicrucians or the Masons or, you know, whatever you want to do, you can look them up and show up and join the black lodge is not like that. There's no central lodge. I do believe that there is an attempt to create a centralized black lodge with a power structure, but I don't like to get into the detail of that. We'll just say that I do believe that there is something analogous to it, but the actual 100% Black Lodge doesn't have an office that you can visit. They function like terrorist cells, meaning that you'll have one, two, three, four of them in a group. They only know about their group and they receive their orders from their equivalent of an ascended master, like those secret chiefs, but negative. And they don't really have a name. And this is like they receive their orders not necessarily from a living human, but from some no. entity. Correct. They magically receive their orders like a magical teletype that, or fax machine that prints out their orders and says, okay, go do this. Yeah, they channel it or however they get it. But it's not, yeah, the person on the other end is not a corporeal human. It's not like you called me up and, and said, hey, I want you to go do this. And I said, okay, it's different than that. It's achieved through a, magical means. Is it a human or could it be not? It can be. No, it can be a human. Because remember, just like a terrorist cell, they operate at different levels. When you're in a terrorist cell, you don't know where you are in the organization. It's impossible to tell. You just know you have a handler. The handler tells you to do this. This is an intelligence operation as well, that they will have cells of people. They know who the handler is. The handler tells them the orders. You don't know where the handler got the orders. You don't know where the handler is in the infrastructure. Same with the Black Lodge. And they do bad things. They don't like to be talked about. They don't like to be publicized. They're very subversive and underground. To advertise on Thrill Glass Darkly, email thrillglassdarklyads at gmail.com. How did you find out about this organization? Well, in magical circles, like it's the thing that nobody talks about. Like everybody knows they exist, but they don't really talk about it. And the way that it was described to me in certain contexts, when you try to bring them up, you're shut down. You're told, we don't research that. We don't talk about them. We don't interface with them. Right. I mean, I've had direct interactions with the Black Lodge, but did you know you were having those interactions. At yeah. The time? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, more. <laughs> well, how should I describe it? So, I could see their manipulation of things. I could, you know, there were times when I would, writing the book, that I would seek answers to questions because there's not a lot written about these people. So, you know, it's difficult to find information. It took me over a year to write it because it's hard to figure out and there's a lot of connecting of the dots and stuff that you got to do. And so I would try to find answers and I would in a magical sense, and I would be ejected, literally ejected. Like I was sitting in an ejector seat, the ejector seat would fire and kick me out of whatever I was doing. And how did you get contact with people just through the, the magic or the magical community kind of led you to people there or did they seek you out? 
sometimes they sought me out. A lot of people seek me out for this or for that to answer questions or to provide more information or whatever. Alan had some much better, well, better's relative. Alan had some much more interesting interactions with them. Mine was always, I saw the byproducts of what they were doing. But Alan, Alan tells a story about a guy that he met that the guy reminded of Charles Manson and he was 100% black lodge. In my case, you know, I saw the byproducts of what they did fiddling with my life, derailing things. But on the rare occasion that during actions of research, I would go and try to, you know, 95% of what's in that book, I came out of books and a lot of research and a lot of time. But 5% of it is me going to an esoteric source and saying, okay, where do I find the information for this? And when I would look for the esoteric source and the information, sometimes while I was performing that esoteric function, I would get ejected from that thing. It would be like, okay, here's a, here's a good example. Uh, you go into a trance, and in that trance, you can access this kind of ether space where you can interface the secret chiefs or other things and ask questions and get answers before i described a thing where i had asked a question of who's my soulmate and i got a response well in this ether space it's a safe place to ask questions and receive information although i've never heard a voice or anything it's always pictographic i had a strange experience with covid uh when we were all going through COVID, a strange thing happened to me there once. But I would go in there to address the secret chiefs or my guiding spirit or whatever, and I would literally get shoved out of it. It'd be like somebody came in and turned on the lights and, during a movie. And one time, I got pushed out of something. Other times, it was like it would be equivalent to like the telephone, somebody disconnecting the phone line. Which is very jarring when you're trying to magically connect to something. And how extensive do you think this organization is? I mean, have they infiltrated levels of like government power? Oh, yeah. Corporate power? Oh, yeah. For thousands of years. And this is nothing new. They've been at this for quite some time. They exist at all levels of everything. Sometimes they are not in a position of power, but they control somebody who is, and they will use things like blackmail or other bad ways that they will leverage your vices against you to make you do what they want. It kind of like an intelligence agency might do that for same same model. trying to get stuff from. Yeah, of course, it, it, the honey trap, honeypot trap, and other things, you know, or. You know, not even a trap. They'll just come to you and say, you know what? I can make you rich and, and give you lots of girlfriends. And you say, okay, what do I need to do? Well, on this day, you know, this person will walk by. You need to trip them. That's all you need to do, which is very much an intelligence operation kind of thing as well. And what it usually is, is it's a lot of little things that equal a big thing. Nobody's hurting anybody. Exactly. You know, it's a chain reaction. You trip the guy at the wrong time. And so he's late for a meeting. Because he's late for a meeting, they don't discuss a topic. Because they don't discuss a topic, they don't come up with a plan of action. They don't come up with a plan of action, so there's no action taken. You know, it just goes on from there. It's a chain reaction. Now, 
it sounds like you got some cooperation from them in writing this thing. Not the Black Lodge, no. They won't cooperate with anything unless it's what they want. But they tried to influence you in some way, like in terms of putting stuff in the book that... Well, they would lead me down the wrong... They would push me toward the wrong thing, so I would waste a lot of time. They made a lot of bad things happen in my personal life. You know, people almost dying multiple times. General, and how do you know that they had? How do you know that they had a? How do you know they had a hand in it? Because it came out of nowhere, and it started about the time that I actually really started to write the book. For a very long time, like I put it off because I didn't even know where to start. Because it's such a vast thing, you don't. Where do I begin? Right. And so I had a lot of trouble trying to focus on where to start the damn book. Like I didn't know how to write it. But once I started writing it, bad things started happening almost immediately. And in one case, something bad happened that led to somebody I, I love very much almost dying. And, but it took six months for it to culminate. Because remember, they're long-term thinkers. Time is really not a problem. Well, it took six months for it to kind of come about. But if you go back six months from when it happened, that's about the time I started writing the book. When I started writing the book, a lot of bad things started to happen, especially with relationships and the things that hurt you the most, the fastest. You know, relationship woes are the fastest way to hurt somebody with the lowest amount of effort. Right. And so there are a lot of, you know, my relationship with my friends, my relationship with my girlfriend, my relationship with my parents, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with everybody just was under constant stress and tension. It wasn't because I did anything or they did anything. It's just everybody seemed to just be pissed off all the time. And once I published a book, it mostly stopped. There were a few things that that are coming slowly stopping some elements that have persisted beyond the publishing of the book. But for the most part, you know, once I published the book, it pretty much stopped immediately. You Why know, do you think it person, stopped after the publication of the book? You know, I heard a funny saying once, it was about people who control information and they'll work real hard and they'll do all sorts of dastardly terrible things to stop the information from being put out. But once once the information is out there, then they stop worrying about it because they've lost control of it and it's in the public domain. So once the information's out there, there's not a lot you can do about it. So you just kind of move on because if you do anything about it, it gives a validity to what the information is. Oh, that the book is out. Somebody showed up and, and threatened me, right? You would immediately go to, well, that's the Black Lodge because you published the book. So they, they mostly leave me alone. There are a few things that, that have persisted, but for the most part, they leave me alone. Yeah, it reminds me of David Morehouse, who was a remote viewer for Project Stargate, right? And Star- Stargate, yeah. Yeah, he wrote Psychic Warrior. And before that book came out, all sorts of bad stuff would happen to him. Like, oh, yeah. Kind of a negative influence campaign. And then, you know, somebody tried to kill him, tried to kill him and his family, you know, make it look like he's gone, you know, off the deep end, can't publish the book. This guy's a crazy, right? 
So there are a lot of things like that that are consistent with what you're talking about, the way the community. And, you know, it's a similar methodology, but it's because the control and the influence is a similar way. I'm not saying the intelligence community is the Black Lodge. Right. By any stretch yeah, of the imagination. Not, I'm not saying they're all, I'm not saying they're all, <laughs> no. I'm just, no. Just saying the techni- no. We're just talking the techniques. There are a lot of really good guys. Right. The techniques are similar because the end result is similar. You know, you're trying to stop something. And so how do you do it? You do it in a subversive way. This is how you do it subversively. I mean, the NKVD did it, you know, under Stalin. You know, you get people to report on their brothers and their sisters and mothers and their fathers. You know, there's really only one way to subversively affect people. And the different groups use it for different reasons. But the but no, I had a I had a tremendous number of really bad things happen. Like I said, people almost died. They got sick all of a sudden. I mean, in one case, as I said, someone whom I love very much got very sick. And by the time they got to the emergency room, six months after it started, their pain was a 10 out of 10 on the 1 through 10 scale. And I came to understand that for six months, their pain had escalated from a 7 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. So this person sat there with an eight, seven, eight, nine out of 10, didn't say a word, didn't cry, didn't do anything, just existed with a nine out of 10 on the pain scale. That's unnatural. Yeah. That's just unnatural. So I attribute it, especially because of the timing to the Black Lodge. But the Black Lodge, you know, it's a funky organization. You know, they... A lot of times, like, they don't do anything directly. They have minions that do things. So, you know, you could argue that they've infiltrated most magical organizations at one point or another. You know, they'll put somebody in there or they'll have a friend of a friend of a friend who's in there. You know, but it's it's nothing obvious. It's always very low-key and subtle. You had interviewed some of them directly as part of writing this book. And they were just kind of give you information that would take you off the path. How, I mean, what was that I, like? I talked to people who claimed that they were part of the Black Lodge, and they would give me things that I knew were not what I was looking for. And so that's really what it comes down to. Is I read books by people who claim they were in the Black Lodge. I had interactions with people who claim they were in the Black Lodge, and they may have been in what they perceived to be the Black Lodge. It wasn't the Black Lodge that I was looking for. And you, you know how it is. I mean, I could say that I'm a member of Mensa. It doesn't mean that I am. And we also had funny information come to us in weird ways. If you read the book, there's a series of woodcuts and like a comic book style. And it comes from the Polybus Syndicate. And one day, Alan sent this to me and he's like, what is this? And I figured out that there's some kind of art project, I guess. I mean, there's really no pedigree to where they come from. But if you look at the images, they definitely are very interesting in what they tell you. And oddly, the images, these comic cells that were misdated to like 1971 or something, they were obviously not from 1971. Because Obama was in some of them, you know, and things that are contemporary. But one of them had to do with a ritual being performed in an observatory on a telescope under the light of... Like in Oakland? 
No, it's actually, it's down okay. south. But, and interestingly enough, that if you look up the telescope that that comic book or comic was talking about them carrying out a sex magic ritual on, the guy that developed it, Hale, a lot of his telescope innovations were done with the assistance of a small human troll or entity, a small human entity that used to follow him around. And the first machine that he ever built, he called it the Demon Engine. Is this the so same hail as in Hail Bop comment? Yeah. Like it's, as in Hail Bop comment that resulted well, he, in the mass suicide yeah, at Heaven's the Gate. Heaven's Gate. But he also he invented quite a number and innovated quite a number of telescopes around the world. I believe including his original design is the basis, I think, for Lucifer, which is the one that's owned by the Jesuits in the Vatican, the Vatican Observatory. They have this hidden observatory they call Lucifer. Yeah, it's an odd name for a Catholic organization. Yeah, I, I believe the observatory or the telescope is called Lucifer. Do you know why it's called Lucifer? No, I have no idea. I never really got into that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just taking these. No, it's it's no, it's weird. It's it's weird, and you know it deserves to be investigated further. The one other thing that I've noticed is that, you know, there was some discussion at some point about writing another book about the Black Lodge to fill in some gaps of stuff we left out of this one. And the minute I started thinking about writing another book about the Black Lodge, bad things started happening again. I mean, so I went out on my. Like, how do they know? They just know. I went out on my deck one night and I said, okay, Black Lodge, I'm done. No more books about the Black Lodge. And then all the bad stuff stopped. (laughs) No more books about the Black Lodge. No, not doing it. All right. Well, hopefully that's good news for somebody (laughs) to leave everybody alone. Well, I got the goods. I got the good stuff out. I mean, you know, we even talk about some of these witchcraft schools that they operated. In Paris and in Transylvania. There's oh, is that like the Sholomons, like related to that? Sholomons? Yeah. How do you pronounce it? I, I don't remember, but one of the saints, I forget which saint it is, was educated in one of these. He was a wizard in Omegas before he found Christianity. And he was actually trained at one of these. I think it was the one in Austria or one in France. I forget. Okay, so I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a leap here. How is all of this related, or it could be completely unrelated, to the stuff that's going on with these classified briefings in Congress right now with Rush and UFOs and things like that? Like, is it a yes and thing? Is it are they? I don't think that actually has an. It's different. I don't think that actually has anything to do with the Black Lodge. I think that's more. Of how the military industrial complex functions. Because, you know, a lot of people make a lot of hay about what the UAP thing, but if you actually go back to the original briefing where they had the director of national intelligence, he said something very significant. He said that these objects that they were citing and interacting with. He said that they had detected radio signals come emanating from these objects, and they understood the radio signals. 
this is a little off topic from the Black Lodge, but one of the things that I noticed is that this is very much ties into like the whole Skinwalker Ranch thing. They, they were talking about detecting these one gigahertz. It's like a 1.1 gigahertz signal. And the guy, yeah, Travis I- Taylor, he was part of the UAP scientific study advisory panel. <laughs> Here's what I well, think that is. Here's what I think that is. I think okay. Travis Taylor I can, is du- dual-headed. Uh, I mean, yes. I, I, yeah, I'll give you. Of course. He's dual-headed. He is there to make some progress, but also but, to steer progress away from, from what it things. is. Well, now, so, but I, so Delta, so Delta, like Operational Detachment Delta, the Combat Applications <laughs> Group, CAG, whatever, multiple names, historically known as Delta Force. They communicate using these iridium cell phones. Yeah, it's and well. That's what I was going to say. It's it's an iridium transmission band. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I, like, I worked. It's like two of them. It's like, they're both at about one point six gigahertz. Right. Yeah. One point so six anytime, gigahertz. That's anytime they say you stuff about it. that, I'm no, like, it's, yeah, it's that's because there's a team somewhere out there that's monitoring. It's an iridium. They're either and on Travis knows phone. that, and Travis knows, he knows that. that, and right. it's either somebody's picked up their Iridium phone as making a phone call, or they're uploading using Iridium SPD small or SD SDP small data packets. I worked on Iridium systems. The minute he said that, I was like, okay. So you go back to the congressional testimony of the director of national intelligence. He says we've detected radio signals coming out of these objects. We know what these radio signals are. I think that they're seeing some of them at Skinwalker Ranch. I think they're broadcasting 1.6 gigahertz. I think they're uploading stuff either by a Starlink or Iridium or some other satellite. Maybe it's a Russian satellite. I don't know. I don't care. But if I have an alien vessel, a la Bob Lazar, you know, who I do believe I met, I talked to him about it to his face. You wouldn't be able to use radio waves. They wouldn't use radio waves. (laughs) They'd use lasers. They'd use subspace like star trek I and mean, they do all kinds of things but they wouldn't use a radio transmission you can also use the a potential right which is the effect that you get from the effect that likely causes electromagnetism both mag you know the magnetic field and the electric field it's a quantum right. mechanical thing but it's more efficient it's much more yeah but i mean the long and the short of it is that they're not going to use radio transmissions that the director of national intelligence and the nsa can intercept and understand that even if they can't understand the payload of whatever was being sent they know the formats they know the frequencies they know the targets so why would it be an extraterrestrial vehicle I think when they announced the uap congressional hearings the first thing i thought of is what else is going on because it's a misdirection thing. It's not a misdirection. I mean, do you think we've recovered craft crash? Oh yeah, I'm sure we have. They're probably buried in some Lockheed vault out in the desert. I mean, they're outside of the Pentagon. That's for sure. So what do you think this is really like the purpose of all this is it's to make it go away after the X files. There's no people out there that believe it and they want it to go away. Now, originally we were talking about the black lodge. Could the black lodge be leveraging it? Sure. Yeah, they could be leveraging it, you know, start a fire somewhere else, and that lets us do whatever we're going to do. Because remember, their ultimate goal is control. So maybe the Black Lodge started it to make you think about something else and not see what they're doing. That's possible. I mean, I wouldn't discount it, but 
What I will say is that disclosure is a fallacy. If disclosure ever happened on a UFO level, it would require not just the United States government, but every government in the Western Hemisphere and most of the governments in the Eastern Hemisphere to eventually cop to the fact that they knew about something that was world-changing. They didn't tell us. They broke laws to cover it up. And it's not just, you know, everybody badmouths the U.S. It's not the U.S. alone. You know, it's the Russians, it's the Canadians, it's the Ecuadorians, it's the Chinese, the Japanese, and everybody else. They so, all know. So what secret would be so horrific that it would dictate this level of secret? Because if it's just that we're not alone, that's not sufficient. No, it is actually. Under the Brookings study that was performed by RAND, they realized that they had everybody from Margaret Mead on down do a study on the societal impact of UFO disclosure. And the thing that they came to realize was that it would cause a vast instability because you take religion, you would have a bunch of people. I mean, you kind of see the outliers of it now where the Vatican says, well, aliens can be real sure. I mean, the Vatican's been studying this stuff for decades. The Vatican is probably one of the most knowledgeable on this topic. Yeah, And so they come out and they say, well, the Pope, who's the the epicenter of the Catholic religion, he is also functioning under the edict of infallibility. He says that, well, if there are aliens, it's okay because we're, we're all God's children. Right. Yeah, by the so, way, Pope you know, John Paul II they... didn't lie. Like he just flat out said they're all God's children too. He didn't say right. no, and, there's and, no aliens. He didn't say Yeah, he was just Right. And the guy now, he says it would be great because we'll send some missionaries over there and teach them about Jesus if Jesus hasn't already shown up. Why would they bother to say these things if they didn't know something or something wasn't real? Yeah. Right. But again, you know, this effect on society, that's why I think you see a, a slow progression yeah. toward it. But I don't think I mean, that I think it's going to come I from think, a crude Christian hearing. I think elites are already losing their grip on control. Well, but yes and no. I mean, I think that it's, we can say that they're losing their grip on control, but this goes back to the black lodge. What grip on control are they losing? Are they losing the one you can see? Are they losing the one that you can't? Because one of the critical functions of the black lodge is to function as a hidden hand. It's the hand you do not see. And that's the principle of how the Black Lodge functions, is the hand that you do not see. Your neighbor could be in the Black Lodge you would never know. Unless he came over to your house one day and said, knock, 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 I'm a member of the Black Lodge, you want to join? Even then, I would be somewhat suspicious of it. I think it would more likely be come over and say, hey, can you make an illegal left turn at this stop sign on Thursday? I'll give you 10 grand. All right. Any last word on the Black Lodge that you want to leave the audience with? I've quoted it a couple times in the last couple of days. I heard a good quote once. It came from Denzel Washington. And as I was telling my friend the other day, most people quote Matthew McConaughey, right? It's all about the Matthew McConaughey-isms. But Denzel Washington is a very wise guy. And I don't know him personally, or you know, maybe there are parts of his personal life I don't know or care to know. But he said one thing that I found to be very true. He said, 
And obviously this is in a Christian context. He says that if the devil's after you, you're doing something right. If you're doing bad things, the devil won't bother with you. Mm-hmm. Right? Last night, in fact, I went to Save Mart. You know, I don't care. You know, you talk to these UFO researchers or Bigfoot researchers or esotericists or whatever, and they make it seem like they live in these magical bubbles and they don't do things like go to Save Mart. We all go to Save Mart. We right. all eat and whatever. So I went to Save Mart last night and there was a lady there ahead of me and she was trying to buy some hot dogs and some other stuff. It was about, I don't know, 10 or $15 worth of stuff. And her credit card kept getting declined. Now I went down there as a kind of surprise to everybody to get everybody some ice cream and, you know, have a little treat. And I'm standing there watching her try it again, try it again, try it again. And then she's like, okay, well maybe we can take this and this and this out of it. And I told the guy, I said, just stop. I paid a $15 bill. Now, why did I do that? Did I want something from her? No. I, she said, she's so grateful and thankful. And I said, it's, it's okay. I said, pay it forward. The next time you have an extra $15, you go help out somebody who needs it. And if we want to fight something like the Black Lodge, the only way we can fight it is with love and with goodness and kindness, because that's the antithesis of what they are. If somebody is trying to bribe you with material stuff, don't take it. Do the right thing. You know, if you're walking down the street and there's an old lady that needs help, help her. If there's a lost dog, return it to the owner. Small random acts of kindness make huge, massive impacts. I think it was in the Torah. It says to save one life is to save the entire world because you don't know the potential or the potentiality of that one life. So if you want to fight the Black Lodge, it's really easy. Just be good. And that being good is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. But just be good. Be a good person. So I would like to leave your audience with the idea that if you want to change the world, you don't have to get elected to Congress. You don't have to vote for a specific person. You don't have to badmouth another person. If you want to change the world, just be nice. Be kind. That's it. So take take that from this interview. There are very bad people out there. There are very bad people that are in the Black Lodge or very bad people that are outside the Black Lodge. Read the book. Don't read the book. I don't care. But be good. Just be a good, kind person. That's it. Thank you very much, Olive. It Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And hopefully Same here. More, <laughs> more in the future for sure. Yeah, we got a lot of UAP stuff to talk about. I have a feeling. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. my other book. <laughs> we definitely do. All right, my hey. friend. Thank you very much. No problem. If you enjoyed today's video, please hit like and subscribe. And also hit the notification button so you can be notified whenever I post new content. Thank you. Now, if you're enjoying the channel and you want to support it, there are several things you can do. In fact, there are five things you can do. The first thing you can do is just buy my books. I got plenty of books out in the market right now, and I would prefer that folks buy a book rather than giving me direct support because they get something out of it. They have a real tangible product. The second way you can support me is by becoming a member on YouTube or becoming a patron on Patreon. And just go to either site and it'll explain everything.
third way you can support the channel is by checking out my merch site, which is here. There's plenty of stuff that you could get to support the channel. And I'd appreciate that you, you have it and can wear it. Not only do you help support the channel, but you also help promote the channel. And I appreciate that. The fourth way that you can support the channel, and this is really easy, is anytime you want to buy something on Amazon, literally just go to the description below and click on any link, literally any link. The channel gets a cut of that and it costs you no extra money. You just go through the link as I'm part of the Amazon Affiliates Club. The fifth and final way you can support the channel is through donations. Now, I don't prefer these because it's more of a expression of gratitude, but you don't really get anything out of it as a subscriber to the channel. However, if you decide to do these options, there's two options. There's Buy Me A Coffee, which is a separate site. And there's also, you can go through YouTube with either a super chat, super sticker, or a super thanks. Again, I prefer Buy Me A Coffee because that organization takes less money than Amazon does. But either way, I appreciate any support you are willing to give the channel. So thank you very much and keep watching. I really appreciate it.